is this like relevant for all your listeners? I'm like very no. aware. Are we? No, no, we're gonna cut this part out. Okay, great. I was like, am I in performance? <laughs> am mode? I in performance <laughs> mode? Oh my gosh, that's so perfect. Am I already performing or not? This is the Enneagram Eight podcast, and we're here to take you inside the armor. I miss you guys in person so much. Like, why did you move so far away that we can't do our annual Christmas thing once in a while? I feel it. I feel it. (laughs) That is what it is. This is Kate. Kate and Aaron and I have been friends since we were about 11. And then Kate and I have become best friends since then. So we have a lot of history under our belt. So she's the perfect two to bring on. Mm. Or not. Or not. (laughs) You have to be really honest. Yeah, for sure. I promise. I put my hand on my heart here. (laughs) You have so many eights in your life, like key eights to draw from, that if you need to say something squirmy, you can say it about the other eight and not me. I was thinking this morning, I was like, oh yeah, I actually somehow gravitate towards eights. I don't know why, but Mm -hmm. it's a really good fit for me. I'll just tell you some things. I was flooded with memories of you both as eights, as children. Who you guys were at the core of your being is so funny as I've watched you evolve and grow into like these stunning, fully rounded, healthy adults. But like as a two, this this is like a typical two-eight moment, I think. Aaron would have different friends over for sleepovers. And one time I came for one night and we slept in this like camper out in the woods behind her parents' house. And um, I was super insecure as a kid. And I just like wanted everybody to be happy all the time. And um, Aaron was just so unbelievably independent. Whereas I was like obedience mode. She was freedom mode. And one morning we had a sleepover. I was still in the camper. It was a bit awkward as a like little kid. You're like, what do we do next? And then she left and I just waited for her to come back and she never came back. And I was like, (laughs) I literally lied there. And I was like, how long am I going to stay here? Like, what do I do? Do I wait for her? Do I... And I came in and you were just fully watching hockey with your brother or something. And I was like, hey, what's up? And you're like, I don't know. What's up with you? And I was like, I was like, either I am like a super awkward kid. I was just such a hilarious follow the leader with you, Aaron. So I would do anything with you because I was in awe of who you were, but you were the most adventuresome person I had literally ever hung out with. And you would do things that terrified me. You would scale these insane train bridges over wild rivers and you would literally like run on like the rails underneath them. And I would be like with my fingernails clenched on like the lowest level being like, I'm coming, I'm coming. There was no way I could keep up with you. But you guys were hilarious as kids. Well, you had to jump a fence first to get on the track. Wait, 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 wait. You guys did that together, right? Yeah. Of course you did. I discovered it because of my allegiance to the neighborhood rowdy boys. And then I showed Aaron and it became both of our favorite places independently. So we both went all the time. Oh yeah, like I took my husband there on dates and like we jumped around. It had the right amount of like beauty and danger and freedom and all the things. So it will not shock you that I never took my husband there. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, no, no shocker there you as a two, what does that look like? And how is that profoundly different from the energy Aaron and I give off? I feel as though I have become a healthy two and I can see unhealthy times as a two in my life. But as a fully rounded two at this point, I thrive in hugely relational. 
I have a massive value for people and for helping and just generally service. Like I'm probably at my happiest hosting, being hospitable. I'm a two with a pretty strong three wing. So host, but make it sparkly. Just kidding. Like, <laughs> I don't mean literally sparkly, but this shows up at, at like a ton in my life. Like I like to be the very best at what I do. I just am in a new role. I'm in a third year of school and we are in these internships and I landed a great internship with an incredible mentor and I can already see it in myself. I'm like, I'm going to be the very best at serving and helping and transform how this, this, and this work and like make it excellent and whatever. And so there is a, it's so funny because I know that twos, like depending on how you do the Enneagram, either disintegrate to eight or um, like if four is like an integration point for twos, technically the dark side of like control pops up as a two when I'm really stressed. And I think that that might be a reason why eights in my life are really important for me because I think healthy ones show me how to do that well and make it a healthier thing for me as opposed to like freaking out and cracking down when things mm -hmm. feel out, like scary or whatever. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like maybe the eights give you confidence to know that you can hand it over because you do That's... know they're capable? So I met a friend on a trip a couple years ago uh, who's also in the school environment with me and we just super, super clicked. She's probably a full decade at least younger than me in a different stage of life. And somehow there is something just in who she is and how conversation unfolds that I crave what she carries. She's a strong, strong eight. Probably my closest eight here living in this like new country where I am right now. When we have conversations, she'll up the game. When I head towards the emotion scary part of control, of like needing to like, um, I wish I knew myself better this way, but like dig in and super micromanage or something so that I feel like everything is going to line up the way I want it to. She somehow for me in conversation like de-escalates the high level of emotiveness and brings it down to like a core. It's almost like my, bear with me, but like it's almost like our stomachs are connected like with a cord at a core mm -hmm. level. She just goes into this mode of like, hey, you're so, so capable. This, this, and this are going to line up. And she just shows me like she's just concrete and there's a confidence and a low key like power that like I 100% need because that is not in me the same way that it's in her. And I absolutely crave it. Like it's so helpful. And then in relational moments where she has called with weird stuff with her kids at school and other parents who are um, being nonsensical or whatever. And she just wants to like, she's called me in emotive moments of herself and just been like, I think at a gut level, she's like, I would just really like to punch them in the face. Like that's how I'm going <laughs> to solve this. That's how I'm going to solve this problem. Like I'm just, and I think that I offer her like a compassion angle and more of a relational softness maybe that helps her see things from another angle that she, she really couldn't. So it's kind of a, a really beautifully dynamic relationship. And then I think about eights at work who get it done. They're not worried about how it impacts other people the same way I am. Like I have no problem getting it done, but like a classic example, I just got a weird promotion in this mentorship and I'm on a team of five other people. My primary response is like, how are the other people, how's this going to impact them? Is it going to hurt their feelings? Am I being too big in this moment? The three in me comes out in performance, like I'm going to do a great job at this. And I actually am. I know that I am. Yeah. That's not false. Like I am good at this stuff, but got a glowing email from our mentor about like my capacity 
and I've been the first person on the team to be promoted into a clear role. And um, I'm, I'm a little like I need to check myself. And that's where I'll call my friend who's an eight here and just be like, help me. Because um, <laughs> I don't want to hurt other people's feelings, you know, by being too big. Yeah. But like the eights in my world, that is not so much on their radar. And I desperately need that because it helps me show up as a fuller version of myself without being, because I've really had to learn, like other people are not thinking about me as much as I'm thinking about them. <laughs> I think our, the eight big picture thinking is super helpful when we get people that get caught up in like the small, you know, right, yes. what's right in front of you today. Yeah. And, and you kind of aren't at the big picture yet. Whereas we yes. skip all that, which can also be very problematic. But there are times we can skip it and it's helpful, right? Because the big Super picture helpful. allows you to have permission to get so through the needed. other stuff. Oh my gosh, so needed. Desperately needed. Let's go to our teenage years. And if you're really honest, I am sure Joe and I hurt you. Well, especially me. I'm going to say me because I can't speak for Joe. But I think I plowed people over regularly in my teenage years in my constant state of moving forward and not actually being aware of what's around me or present. Oh, so I love you. I, <laughs> I'm willing to be vulnerable and let you tell everyone about it. Do you have any moments like that where you remember when we're teenagers? Like, were there certain times where you felt like maybe we weren't being well, considered? Okay. Let's take a step back and be super real. As a child and teenager, I was probably perpetually hurt. Like, by everything. <laughs> everyone. Like, Johanna yep. kind of remembers this. Like, <laughs> so much more fully integrated and I oh god bless like all the research and Brene Brown for like all the emotional integration but I am no longer as impacted by things but as a teenager for sure I was you know you're growing up and trying to figure that out but Erin you had like your being friends with you was like a mark you were so unbelievably cool because you actually set a tone and you lead so you were the one who would initiate and bring friends together and do that kind of thing. And it was the height of cool to have like one-on-one -on -one time with Aaron or like be invited into something. And you were very, very good at making someone basically have a best friend moment with you and be like, oh man, this, this woman who knows herself and is so confident, sees something of value and worth in me. So therefore, as a two, actually, I, I sucked it from anybody I could get it from. Like if I could get a sense of worth and confidence and belonging and value from other people, I did it. But the flip side of that is, is that when you moved on to somebody else, I was like, wait, was that real? <laughs> like, what, what yep. just happened? Like, yep. like, I was invited and I was cool and belonged and you were so good at that. And you did so many fun things. So I'm thinking of like parties that that weren't like ragers, but just like low key hangs where you were really good at like bringing friends around. And then you also like, do you remember this one time where you were part of a different church community, but you guys did fun plays and like you, they were almost musicals or something like yep. that. Yep. Do you remember that? Yep. I just remember how good you had a plan and a vision. And I just remember being like, I'm going to be like Aaron someday. Like I'm going to learn how to do this. You never like wounded me to the point where I felt like I needed a counselor. It was just tons <laughs> of, of self-awareness moments. I mean, let's be honest. I was super unaware in my teenage years, right? Like yeah, it, wasn't, we all were. it wasn't anything malicious. I was not careful with people and especially people who needed me to be careful with them or were feeling things more than I was feeling them. Right. So hello. 
Guys, I got a call from my mentor who needs me to come ASAP. So that was the worst. And this isn't going to be a classic two moment where I'm like, where's my allegiance? Who do I go to? What's more important? No. Go, 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 go. go. I do have to do it. I have to do it. But hey, I love this so much. It's so unbelievably fun. But I, this is kind of the way I have to live my life right now. Go, no, go, go do what you got to do. I love you both you. very you much. Too. Bye. Okay, bye. As you can hear, my two friend is a very needed person, and so she had to leave us after 10 minutes. A few months later, I rebooked her for a second interview, and this time it was just with me and her. She really is the very best of twos. We kind of covered a lot of the intro stuff with the first bit, which I'm totally going to use because it was funny because... What pulled you sideways was a two-ish moment. Really? What did I do? You were <laughs> you got needed. Uh, you got needed, and you expressed oh, that you were needed, right, and that you're right. in torment because you were needed by both, yeah. and you're going to let one down. Yeah. And it was like couldn't wow. have been more quintessentially. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. I totally forget everything we talked about, so hopefully I don't repeat myself. Uh, no, no, it's it's okay. fine. You are yeah. my bestie. I don't have like formative memories with you until like 11 or 12 when we started going to like camps together. But then we became like wicked tight in high school, just at a like a whole other level of like, man, I think that's when sisterhood started. Yeah, we did kind of adventure. I was never as adventuresome as you were uh, ever, but you're pretty game though. I was always up for coming along with stuff. I just couldn't actually even physically do half the way you could. <laughs> I'm actually like, man, I'm a capable person now. Like, I go to the gym and like, I'm I'm strong for a woman who's 43, but like, I'm never have never been a coordinated person. And so you would like leap onto the top of brick walls or like run on those crazy train bridges. And I literally feared for my life. But you had had no fear whatsoever. Yeah, but you did coordinate our getaways very nicely. And you always knew where to find food and where to book our Airbnbs and all the camping sites and whatnot. So you did all the coordinating. That is true. I have like this one. Fun. Yeah, really discovered I have a pretty strong like self-pres vibe going on. I know you didn't love that when you found that out. Yeah, I did not. Maybe nobody <laughs> loves it when they see the truth. It's hmm. true. I cried actually when I found out I was SX. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that makes me feel a lot better. It reveals some of your disgusting coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I basically have realized that if I'm going anywhere, as long as I have like a copious amount of snacks, I somehow believe I'll be fine for anything. Now, you also need to make sure you'll sleep because mm-hmm. you get really freaked out if you don't get enough sleep. I know. Yeah. Whenever we're away, when it's time for you to shut down, it's like... I really do. You can't hold it back. There's nothing I could do to keep you up. I think about like even when we were teens and like camping adventures and all sleeping in a tent and stuff like that. I was really stretching myself, you know, mm-hmm. because you would have wanted to. I couldn't like, bear to fit miss in, out. but you couldn't yeah. stay awake. <laughs> couldn't bear to miss out. Right. Massive FOMO. So, in what ways are you so very aware that you are too? I think there's always been lots of different names for it before I found the Enneagram. I would have called it a lot of different things. Like, I would have called it like people pleasing or just a, like a 
strong inclination for being in group settings and also just really loving all the hospitality things too. Like if I could be the very best at helping people, that was like my main vibe. It was, it was almost the undercurrent of every job I've ever had. And I've had so many different jobs. Like, well, I've been working since I was 15, working as a high school teacher, working in casting, like everything was geared towards probably serving and helping the people around me. I can't bear to have people mad at me or if I have let people down or disappointed them personally, I'm, I almost can't even live with myself. I mean, being yeah. so socially wired. I thrive in the people part of things. Knowing that the highest level of health would be the ability to confront people with truth, truth and love, but actually risk them not liking me or risk hurting people if I actually did confront them with the truth, which is why I actually think that there is something in the nature of our relationship that like gives me so much life. And vice versa, you are somebody that just devotes, like almost I'd say lavish is a word that maybe for someone else would be hyperbole, but it feels to me like you lavish your focus on the person in front of you. Mm -hmm. And I can't think of many people that do that. I'm so aware of when people are locked in and when they're not, you know, like when their attention's maybe, you know, 50-50 on you and mm -hmm. on whatever they're making for dinner. I can always tell. But the trendy way of saying it is you're present with the person you're with. I think you'd probably agree that the whole time you are able to gauge where the person's at emotionally and, and what they're needing in the moment. Ah, and you yeah. naturally adjust. It's like you naturally fit that, mm -hmm. which has a warm kind of um, embracing quality. But sometimes you and I rubbed up against that because I wanted you to be more candid or more gritty or tougher about something. But you were busy making making everything comfortable. Ah, yes. You're so good at this. I love these conversations with you because then I'm like, oh, yeah, you read me like a freaking open book. Yeah. yeah. You read that mail. I don't know if this is traditional for twos. I think it's true for twos. It's definitely true for me. Like I love cracking the emotional code on anybody I meet and immediately having like some jujitsu power of being able to like get to the heart of it pretty quickly and be, be with somebody in it. I love that. I love pursuing people. I love meeting them where they are. And I love having, uh, like I can do empathy really easily and well with people. I, I actually weirdly probably enjoy crying with people. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the cool thing with you, it's not that I'm closed to people, but I don't want to be read that way by everybody, if that makes yes. sense. Like I have yes. no problem doing that for other people. I want to pursue their hearts that way. And it's I'm not cagey with people. I'm just maybe I really need to trust people or something before I do that. But for some reason, that is never a problem with you. There is a ease in being read by you boldly. But I'm just like, oh, I would let you do that literally all day long. I think that would be reciprocally true as well. And I, I'm assuming that any two people that have that level of closeness would let the other person behind whatever variety of barriers they have, right? Mm -hmm. So you, I've noticed with twos, one of the things that I think would be the ultimate example of you letting me in would be for you to let yourself need something from right. me and actually express it. And I don't know if you remember, but it was a few years back that I was like, you need to practice that more with me because yes. I became more and more aware that you just didn't ask for stuff or you didn't ever really express a need. And I, uh, 
I was like, I think that's a bit of a barrier. Like, I think that is starting to rankle me because I sense it is a level of distance between us that Mm. must be, it must be crossed that chasm. And then you actually started to, like, I think over the past few years, I think we have learned to, you've learned to actually call and just cry out your needs and your struggles in a way that you never had before. I'm so glad you you have been teaching me that. And I think that that's true. And I, it's like something I put up as a reminder for myself a lot. Like I've been married for 20 years and we joke sometimes that I still have a hard time articulating needs to Tim. Like, uh, I don't have needs. What do you mean? Mm-hmm. Why do I need them? I have to really work hard at stretching myself that way. Yeah. I don't know. It's just easier not to for some reason. Like I'm so much more comfortable living in the output And I guess there's probably, I don't know where this fits in, just a weird fear. Like, I don't want to be needy. It is very too to actually even not be able to express what your needs are. It really is that your wiring is to intuitively constantly be tracking other people's needs and yet being totally unable to track your own. So that is pretty true to to type. And, And if I'm honest, I still can't pull up examples of you saying, I need this because you don't put it in words like that. That's not how it goes. (laughs) It's that you are willing to pour out your heartache and what you are not saying, but saying is I need a friend. I need you to listen. I need a place to put this, Mm -hmm. but you're not, it's not like you're literally saying like, I need you to come cook me dinner or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't think that would ever cross your lips. Yes. Like a need would be, it's not a need because I don't want to force your vacation schedule, but like, how can we be together? You know, how can we make that happen and what could it look like and whatever. And I think that's probably an attempt at expressing that. But that's what's so precious is the biggest need you have for me is time with me. It is. And when you are expressing a need, it's basically... Uh, what's your schedule this summer? Because, right. Because we need to get together. Yeah. But um, that's about it with you, girl. I like, know. I don't think you'll I ask for any material needs or any of that. It's just not going to be a thing that crosses your radar. Yeah. I also recognize just because we're connected in faith that I will be like, hey, this thing is happening and it feels big and I'm stressed about it. And yes. you back me up. As far as transactional stuff goes, our currency is like, yes. would you pray for me? That is true. Pray for me, listen yeah. to me, hold me emotionally. And that, yeah. that's like where we uh-huh. offer each other stuff. Mm-hmm. I have put this into words before, maybe in other episodes. It was you I had in mind. I wouldn't have said it, it was explicitly <laughs> you, but that I find that you are to me the softest landing of any other place in my life where I really genuinely have been a total shit at times and I'm at my worst and I'm just have been in a self fixated venting place where I'm Mm. just not at my best and in any other quarter I would be held to account I'd be you know confronted I'd be pushed back on and you know rightly so like there's there's people for that everybody needs people to do that but that is just not what you have been to me you've always just been a place I can rest I didn't know how much I needed that until I reflected on the fact that no one else does that <laughs> I've had this interesting reflection piece where I'm like oh I have a, I actually find eights well I have two examples and I think for both of them I would be a soft landing place yes 
But for my husband, Tim, who's a five, he doesn't want a soft landing place. He never needs it. Like mm-hmm. that's not his, like he doesn't look at it that way. But you must have other twos in your life as well. Do they show up the same way? I find this a, a piece that I wasn't going to bring in, but the wing does change the oh, flavor. Yeah, yeah so if there's a one wing, I think they might be some of my most difficult people, which is right, so right. strange because it's the same type. But that one really, really is a problem for me. <laughs> Yeah, we are aligned in that. I can think of many ones who are my hardest. I find either eights beautifully scare me and challenge me, but I'm so intrigued that I move towards. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm thinking of two men, like one I've worked with and now one who is actually on my team here at school. Both intrigue me deeply. And they also, I don't know if I'll ever really be granted closeness there. But the woman I know who is an eight, like I just like, I love the adventure and the fun. And like, sometimes when I'm in my own head and circling, just like the beautiful nature of like, now this is how we're going to look at this. I find very refreshing. Like I almost need that. I'm like, there's a line of certainty and firmness and clarity and boldness. And I know it, some people would call that opinionated, but I don't see it that way. Like I really experience it as a really dynamic conversation. I just find myself drawn like a moth to a flame. Mm, you're the one that gave me the word vitality. That was yeah. one of the most important words that someone attached to the eightness that's in me, because that is how I experience myself. It's like a yep. whirling, bottomless well of dynamism. Yes. <laughs> and, and color. Can you- can you please create like a business card for yourself where that's your tagline and your motto? Yeah. A, like a whirling, um, what did you just call yourself? Bottomless well of dynamism. Meanwhile, I'm like sitting here picturing myself holding up a box of Kleenex to people. <laughs> depth of dynamism (laughs) in my life oh my word why is it such an awesome pairing though because it really is yeah it really is it's phenomenal yeah I've noticed that one you are extremely capable and I know that you lean hard into three in a lot of ways but you are a yes up for an adventure kind of person Mm -hmm. you are um quick to laugh which really uh, appeals to my seven self you have a lot of energy so you can keep up with me apart from your self-press limitations but i've got enough of that too so that works out and then there's of course that you can keep up with my deep thoughts my musings you can really really track yeah um and i don't think that's true of all twos necessarily i wonder if it's just the blend of what makes you you but and then i do find that i butt up against people and have hard landings just because of who I am and and how people react but I really need that soft place to remind myself that I'm not not a bad person and I'm not oh I know (laughs) maybe I will always be shocked that anybody would ever level that at you for real like Like, no I know seen it yep I have witnessed it all like it's not you're not making it up Nope. Not like a false view of yourself. Yeah, I have witnessed it. It's an interesting burden to bear on the other side of being a bottomless pit of dynamism <laughs> is that that dynamism super provokes people if they don't like it. Yeah. But I just have unconditional affection for you. And also beyond affection, like, and I'm simply enjoying you and us connecting. Like, I just have huge, deep respect for you and respect for 
your process and for your level of conviction and your integrity and your willingness to actually say the things that would terrify me to say in certain contexts because of the social ramifications. You are just like, okay, I'm doing that. I am doing it. And it's not like I have known you so long and know your heart so well that that confrontation is always out of a place of like obedience to integrity right? and um, and fully knowing the costs that will be associated with it. And there's zero pleasure in Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. leveling something that's tricky you just can't not tell the truth and like when the truth is begging to be told and man our world needs so much more of that and i am equally challenged thinking knowing that still my highest level goal is if i can see the truth in a situation just the courage that it would take to like level that truth at somebody knowing that it might be painful is still a work in progress for me I can point to like a handful of moments that I've done it and I feel like I'm gonna die (laughs) But, but it does challenge me that's for sure I think it's been in the past year that you have expressed that as you are being drawn up higher into positions of leadership just by necessity you are going to be in positions like this And so it's like you have been sensing that it's coming and you are just kind of gathering maybe the uh, preparatory tools for it. Not going to be fun for you. We just had a team meeting uh, with the team that I'm on now. And every month somebody else gets a turn to lead. I think we're a nine, three, a one and an eight and a two, me. And so the eight has been leading it for the last month. And his very first leadership moment was, it was December and I live in Northern California. And um, he was like, I want you to bring a bathing suit and a towel and mark off two and a half hours. Like we're going out. And everybody's like, okay. And uh, we fully walked in a lake all the way out (laughs) to a raft and just froze basically. Like (laughs) and he delighted in it. It was so funny. And he's He's just been like an eight through and through and through. And the next week was like another cold plunge in a pool, followed thankfully by a hot tub. But like, he's just like, he loves life. He's like, what gives you life? But I think I've been so gripped by a couple things. He has incredible boundaries. So he never cares about what people think ever. If he, if something he's, he feels like he's supposed to do it, he will absolutely do it. He does everything with integrity, Mm -hmm. but he has no problem making social choices that might offend people or disappoint them, but he doesn't care Mm -hmm. at all. And I find it wildly intriguing. And this week he said, he was talking about a time he'd been walking by the Northern Irish sea and he was just gripped by this notion that really, but everything comes down to a man and his God. He just, the way he said it, I was like, there is a key there for me. Like I actually started weeping. I just knew that that was it. Like to know that like I'm created, I have one level of true accountability and that's to my creator. That is enough for me. Like if I can wrap my head around that truth, I think I could head in this direction of doing the hard things. Way more confidence eights can help plant people's feet firmly under them. I wonder if it makes it feel like we're a vast tree that you can shelter under, you know, there's like a planted rooted quality that people find that they want to lean up against. It does feel very safe. Like I feel safer with you than I, I think with anybody I know. At our very best. I think that's what we offer that grounding at our heart eights have a heart that 
really, really isn't dissimilar to a two in that we really, really are looking to help people to offer what they need. Like we don't like to see people who are at a deficit, like sitting there bleeding out and needing something. We will, we will automatically go forward, go towards that. But you guys are so brilliant because you are speaking the language of the heart, whereas we don't naturally know how to access that. Did you feel disconnected from your heart up to a certain point? Yeah, I just lied to my own self about what my values were. That's what eights do. Like we will Mm -hmm. tell ourselves a story about not needing a bunch of things Mm -hmm. because they feel really vulnerable to want. I know you have seen it in me too. I will say like, I don't need this and I don't want that. I won't even talk about it. I just will. I'll prioritize other things and celebrate them and make statements about who I am. And it must be curious for those of you who actually know us to hear us say things that you know are just not as accurate to ourselves as other things like express a kind of badassery that you do not experience what you're experiencing is a soft warm person Mm -hmm. and we're busy telling the world that we're this other thing and we're not you know can you point to a defining moment in your life where that changed I think your mom passing away, I just think like there's a bit of a before that moment, Johanna, and an after that moment. Oh, there's got to be. No, you're right. There's got to be. Because I think that that was an experience like where your heart cracked wide open. There was so much raw Mm -hmm. that there was no coming back from it. You had almost accessed a place in your heart that you were like, well, yeah, I know that that's there. I can't pretend that it's not. I also define myself in relation to her. So she was the big tree that I leaned against. Yes. And so if she valued X, Y, Z, then I kind of did too. I don't align with people. I usually make my own way, but I had very much tethered myself to her. And thankfully she was such a beautiful person that that worked out okay, mostly, Mm -hmm. but she didn't have access to her heart and she was harder than I am by nature. The reality is, is I have come out from under a false idea of myself or like a false comparison, maybe, or I believe that she's been cheering this whole process along going like little one, like (laughs) you are such a better version of me. I know that's what she'd be saying. (laughs) I can hear her. I have an openness of heart that I've been able to get to probably because she's gone. And it's a weird thing to say, but I had to figure out who I was after she died. Mm. And, and I'm not, I'm not her. I'm me. You know, the rough bits of eightness mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. You've come up against them. I have been very impatient with you at times. Like I have been frustrated by frustrated by maybe not um, stating something firmly or as passionately as I would want you to. Or the crazy thing is, is that like even in like your beautiful annoyance or like oh come on, <laughs> like I've never been like hurt. I've never truly been genuinely hurt by you. I'm such a huge fan of you. I hate that I betray my own self by getting annoyed. <laughs> oh, yeah, whatever. It's warranted, though. So there, uh, sometimes, that. sometimes. Yeah. That's an interesting thing because it's not no. like the black and white, like morality. No, exactly. I can think of times where if, say, you had somehow developed a sudden 
ability to like channel me and you had said what I would have said, there would have been relationships that blew up or Mm -hmm. situations that needed to be navigated more gently that wouldn't have been, which is like, look at my life. Like how many relationships have blown up? Someone could write a book on the way each type loses friends because it's kind of like choose your death, do it long and slow. Or right. do it fast and quick without the goodbyes. Like, what's worse? What's better? I don't. Yeah, I don't know. It's because it's bigger than just conflict management. Because I've really grown in conflict management over the years, and yeah. I can like I've learned even how to hold my own emotions, which are very strong in a certain posture and place. And like I've learned practically that not everything is life and death. You know, like <laughs> that I don't need a future trip. That if we have a a hard moment on something, it doesn't mean that our relationship is a disaster forever or whatever. So mm-hmm. I've learned to handle conflict practically over the last 10 to 15 years, really much better than I ever have before. But that's different than, than recognizing you're at a different place in a set of relationships. And Yeah. I don't know. You and I are not the best people to talk about issues between these two types because we're big fans of each other. But think about your other eights what are some things that you know crop up that are yeah I think the problem stuff is um sometimes I just a hundred percent become a turtle like (laughs) if you want to be like fight or flight I will flight till the cows come home like I've got a a t-rex in my life who's an absolute aggressive like doesn't have any other tools in the tool belt you know Mm -hmm. like that's all we've got is like huge hammers or just everything that I don't like I'm gonna be a sword fight and that one is in family so that's trickier you can try to approach that but like even like logic hasn't worked in that relationship and and I just I still to this day don't do well when the T-Rex comes out like I will literally start sweating in a different way and do everything I can to get out of the room and I reach deep on love and have had a handful of moments where I've tried to really plant my feet and be like okay I'm not moving I'm gonna love you I'm going to say that like, this is disrespectful and we'll try this another way or whatever. And like, would you consider looking at it from another angle or all the things that you can think of in my own toolkit? Yeah, that hasn't like, there has been no openness to learning there or change. So that one's just hard straight up. I think what I have realized that's sad over time is that like, I've been selfless in giving, like if I could only approach it this way, or what if I did this or what just I've sometimes pursued, I've been super proactive. I think the hardest parts are that like, sadly, I'm never asked about my own self, like my story or what's happening in my life is of like little consequence. If you were to put a percentage on it, what percentage of the population tries to reciprocate some of what you give? Like how many people lean into you? I think I've become way healthier at choosing people to be in my life and choosing who that is. So I would say probably like I could look at my early young self and that would have been a terrible percentage, probably like 90%, 10%. But I am easily at a 50-50 at this point. It's still a low, it's still worth noting that it is not super common though like on average it is the gift of the two I think one of your gifts is that leaning in and listening Mm -hmm. um, and very few people do that so which is just shocking I guess it's just because I've always lived this way I just honestly I think I'm always surprised I used to be disappointed surprised when it wouldn't happen like I'm like oh come on like this is easier why isn't it easier for you but now I think I'm curious surprised 
Mm -hmm. I am so much more interested in learning. I have such a better appreciation and hunger for diversity of thought and character and personality because I'm learning so much. Like when I just used to be actually, I didn't even realize it, I think, until I made this move in my life about how kind of ugly but judgmental and right I thought I was. Like I was just mm-hmm. and full of assumptions. So I was like, I'm so good at this. I can read people so well. Like within five minutes, I'll know who you are, really. And then what has surprised me is in being in a school environment with people from around the world who are so different and bring a wide variety of perspectives and opinions and whatever, is that I keep uncovering layers of people that are not at all what I thought I would uncover at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And it's wonderful. And so I am so profoundly grateful for that because I I now no longer think that I've got the read on who somebody is within the first three seconds. That's amazing because they say the underlying, you know, issue with two, they'd call it pride. And it's Mm -hmm. because the assumption is, like you said, I've got this person figured out and I can give them what they need. Done. A hundred percent. I lived that way and I actually had no problem with that for a long time. And now you're like, wait a minute, people are way Mm -hmm. more complicated. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. But also the cool thing is, is that like, if somebody kind of like gets off on the relationship on the wrong foot, I don't just assume it's over. I have more time for people. And probably it's also probably because I'm not working a crazy job and trying to do too much all at the same time. Truly, I have more time for people. So that's it for today. We hope by now you've realized there's a lot more going on under the surface and you'll continue to follow along as we take you inside the armor. (laughs) 